This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome, everyone. Hour number two of two underway right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, also your home. For the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers, you'll hear the Astros. 3.07 pregame, I believe a 2.30 I mean pregame. You'll hear all the action right here with um, uh, Steve Sparks and Robert Ford on the call. But I want to kind of get down to something a little bit different. We're going to get into a lot of different topics in this hour. We're going to have Nick Delator join the program in about 10 minutes to discuss what's going on with the Florida Gators. It's year number one for one Billy Napier, former Raging Cages head coach. You know who that name is. I shouldn't have to explain it to you. But he'll be joining the program to talk about that in Nick Delator, not in Billy Napier. Wish Billy Napier was along with us, but, you know, he's a busy man. I know our guy RP3 is trying to line him up for SEC media days, so I'll Kind of just let that be. But can't wait to hear what Nick has to say about how things are going over in Gainesville for Billy Napier in year number one, especially on the recruiting trail. Because we talked about it a lot last week. And lo and behold, LSU has been in fuego. You heard it in the two-minute drill. Eight days straight of commitments. And the eighth one was an absolute banger and a five-star wide receiver out of Miami. He's going to be intriguing to see how he kind of fits into the conversation. Then at 10.30, we'll have on Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald. He's the beat writer for the University of Southern Mississippi. The Golden Eagles are joining the Sun Belt Conference, so we'll talk to him about that. And also, maybe we'll reset the conversation we had earlier in the show about what's going on with the state of the Sun Belt Conference and how some of those the little teams, the little guy, in the Sunbelt Conference, the ACC, the AAC, and the MAC, kind of fit into a future where it could become a two-conference kind of league and the Power Five breaks away. We can talk about that and more with him at the bottom of the hour. But in the meantime and in between time, we got time for you. And I think this week could be one of those weeks where we get into a conversation because I want to go through another power ranking. We're doing it all summer long. So why not keep it going? And I'll go top five high school football teams in my lifetime. And I'm going in a lot of different directions here. And I'm, I've am i got one team from the 90s. I think you can take a wild guess which one I'm talking about. And I've got a lot of 2000s, and I've got one 2010. You can kind of piecemeal together which ones kind of go where. If you are a historian, if you will, of high school athletics in the Acadian area. 
And I hope you are. I hope you do listen in. You're able to kind of get an idea of where I'm kind of leaning on this. So this, this, this is going to be my call to you, my call to action to you, if you will. If you want to get in on the conversation, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. If you want to give us your take about how you think the St. Thomas, Moore Cougars, Karen Golden Bears, where those teams, particular years, mind you, particular years, where they kind of sit in your heart of hearts, where they sit for you. And I said St. Thomas Moore, it's a deliberate reason because I got to look go with the 2017 St. Thomas Moore Cougars. No, excuse me. Number I'm skipping number five entirely. Number five, I got to go with 2003 Vermilion Catholic program. That program was absolutely loaded. It was a damn good program. I was impressed to see when I was doing my research before the show, or actually this is on like Friday, they've won a couple state titles, but 2003 was a big year for that program. You had some phenomenal players all the way up and down that roster. Gregory Bradley, Jawan Vallow, to name, to name just a few. There's tons of other ones that I could bring up into the conversation. Eric, I mean, you have so many great players from that 2003 year with Vermilion Catholic. They beat Kentwood, and they absolutely were looking damn good in that performance. Kentwood's offense absolutely fell apart, but you got to give a lot of credit to Vermilion Catholic's defense in this conversation. And I was, I was impressed to kind of go back and see, and again, this top five, it's definitely – there's some qualifications I'll go ahead and get into right now. For the top five, it's only one school in my top five. Because I, I can't just go 92 Karen Crow, 2003 Karen Crow, all this stuff. Or, like, I it can't be a top five Acadian high team. I can probably go one by one down the road and just go through a top five Karen Crow football seasons of all time, blah, 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 blah. But – that's not what this is. This is a Acadiana area related thing. Teams that I saw in my lifetime or know about one of the two kind of seeing how things go that it's, this is fun. So number five, I'm going the 2003 Vermilion Catholic screaming Eagles. How can I not include them? They won state. I think that also is a big kind of precedent in this is you pretty much have to win state to be able to be considered and put on this uh, list of the elite, of the elite list of all the great players and programs we've had over the last, let's say, 20 years. Because I think the last 20, 25 years, we've had some damn good teams come through the pipeline. Now let's go ahead and get into number four. 2017 St. Thomas More Cougars. And I'm including them all solely because they were an absolute machine. And why do I say that? Because they damn near, and they're the one team in this list that didn't win a state championship, but my God, their season was impressive. Because they were stomping mud hole, walking it dry. Your first three weeks, four weeks, no, three weeks, excuse me, your fourth week you got shut out. But the first three weeks of the season, you won 49, 45 nothing against Lafayette High, 
49-0 against Como, 35-0 against Plaquemine. Then you got shut out by Catholic High Baton Rouge, but then you got right back on that horse, and you did not lose a single game until the state championship game against De La Salle. Needless to say, 2017, a damn good year for St. Thomas More, and that team, from what I can remember, was loaded. Carter Arsenal, Mason Pesson, to name a few, in terms of your phenomenal wide receivers. And again, you had Caleb Holstein. Jack Besh was part of the team as a freshman. Oh, he had so much talent up, down, and sideways. And it was definitely that, that run of state championships that this team had. I put, I'll go ahead and say it right now, I put 2019 St. Thomas Moore in the honorable mentions because they just absolutely were dominant as well. But I think 2017 kind of stood out a little bit more to me because you had so much going for you that year. And they should have won. But again, you lost 28-14. to 14. But I think they're the best team in this top five to not win a state championship. Now let's go to number three. I'll go with the Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios. And they didn't win by, like, incredible margins. There were some games, yes, they had absolute ass whoopings, like Church Point in 2046 nothing. But they did finish the season 15-0 and and were state champions, beating Redemptress 14-6. And hell, they had Broke Ridge in the semis and won that 21-6. You had a run of games where they had four straight shutout victories. You had a overtime win over Eunice, 21-14. Again, so damn impressive. This was Louis Cook's fourth year at the program back in 2000. And after that, I mean, he's had some state championships and state runner-ups, but that was the first of what would be many. I think that one stands out because you had some really good wins. You opened up the season against St. Thomas Moore and won 15-9, and then you rolled through your district with relative ease. You kind of cut through teams like Bro Bridge, Redemptress, Jennings, and North Caddo in the playoffs, and you won a state title. I think that alone puts you – and out of fact, it was a 15-0 season. Nothing short of impressive right there. That was a great team in my mind. I think a lot of people's minds. You had Joe Desimo as the offensive lineman. He was a great player. Adam Mesh was the MVP of that team that year. Brandon Morrell, those teams, those guys were all all state selections for the first team. Tell me that is impressive to see what that team's been able to put together over the last 20 years since then. Been able to win some state championships and doing it a little bit more of the old fashioned way, if you will. Now we're going to go into a little bit more of a deeper dive. I mentioned Katie and a high yesterday, last week in my Saturday sports sermon, more because of one guy in particular. And it looks like we're getting some. Nope. All right. That's a different text entirely. I thought that maybe it's somebody trying to jump in on the conversation. So, but looking at everything that's happened with this program, they've won five state championships, or several actually, over the years. So, why not go back to the first one? 2007 Acadian High Reckon Rams state championship. That was without a doubt one of the best moments in that program's history. And out of fact, you had. Possibly one of the best moments ever. Actually, no, it's 2006, excuse me. But 2006 was hands down. I'm going to go ahead and put them. The 2006 Acadian High Wrecking Rams, that program, for a while, just 
they hadn't done much. But that was the beginning of a dynasty. That was the absolute beginning of what would become one of the best teams in the entire Acadian area. They would just be rolling. And you want to talk about some of the talent you had on that team? I talk about Jacob Contreras. He was absolutely a machine. Drew Allen, like the list goes on and on about all the guys that were in that number. No doubt in my mind, number two is going to go to the Acadian High record ramps. Number one, though, with a bullet, we got to go all the way back to 1992, the Cameron Grove Golden Bears. Hands down, one of the best teams I have ever seen. I can remember the state championship parade when Cameron Crowe won state. And again, Cameron Crowe at all, I, throughout my high school years, they were amazing. And we talk about it. It was a program defining moment for a lot of different reasons. Neville, Cameron Crowe, those two went at it, and Cameron Crowe somehow, some, some way, comes away with the dub. 1992 was a marvelous year and just looking at some of the all-state players and I think you can kind of just run them through Ernest Lazard, Joe Brandon, Wade Ritchie, Joe Bello, Joe DeCormier. Obviously Kevin Falk was kind of that guy that was coming around the corner. Tell me that group wasn't impressive as hell. 1992? You can also say 96. 96 could probably be one of the best teams to never win the, to not win the state championship in this debate. 96 I think could be put in the honorable mention as well. But 92 is by far one of the most stacked teams that Carrico ever had and probably the Acadian area has ever had. No doubt about it there. My honorable mentions I'll go 3 deep here. I'll I'll put 96 can be on the side of the conversation, but I think maybe this is more personal bias and me watching that team come up, I'll go with the 2003 Carrico Golden Bears program. That team was on a tear. They had only lost one game in the regular season. It was about midway through, then they won eight straight games. Got to the state semifinals, led by Lucas Taylor. They had Dwight Alexander, great offensive line behind him. Lucas Taylor was absolutely just on like a Michael Vick Madden 04 type run. The dude could just absolutely tear up the field up, down, and sideways. That's why I'm putting him in this conversation. 2003 Caracor team, you got to the semifinals, lost to Hanville, who wound up winning state. But I think, again, personal bias, I was a freshman in high school when this happened, so I think I got to put 2003 Caracor in that list. 2018 LCA, obviously LCA has just always been a really good team, but I think sometimes they're just playing against smaller opponents and you know they they've they're they outclass them in a lot of different ways and it just always feels kind of one sided when you look at their records. Twenty nineteen St. Thomas Moore, I gotta throw them in there as well. State champs, no doubt about it. They are in there. Ninety six Cameron Golden Bears, I'll throw them in there as well because it's an honorable mention. And why the hell not I'm probably gonna get some heat from somebody who wouldn't who'd probably put Carrico in probably three out of the top five spots because we'd probably also put the 2020 Caracro team in there as well because that was a once-in-a-lifetime type team. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Going to go ahead and take a quick T.O., come back. We got more Under the Dome with CD coming up. 
Nick Delator joined the program momentarily. Going to talk about that and going to talk about the Florida Gators and so much more. You're listening to Under the Dome right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD and got a bit of bad news. But I think at the same time, it could be good news because, hey, why not just keep listening in and you'll be able to call us up, 337-706-0111. So got some bad news. We were going to get Nick Delator going to talk about the Florida Gators. There was a little bit of miscommunication, a little communication breakdown. Don't know which side it came down upon, but... He can't come on. He's actually busy doing something, so we're going to go ahead and punt, and we're going to get him on next week. So, hey, it's always a bright side. So that's the good news. I'll have him on next week. But also, even better news, we got time for you. If you want to respond to my top five list, and I'll go ahead and recap that momentarily. We already got some people chiming in over on the Twitter sphere. One of them, Trent Delahousy. I got to give him a shout-out here. Cecilia Bulldogs, 1995. Beat Evangel in the semis and Edna Carr in the dome, fifteen and zero. All right, ninety five. Cecilia, you get you get a little shout out there from our guy Trent over on the Twitter sphere. If you see, if you want to respond to my top five, I'll give it to you in a minute. But I need to get this live read in because well, I got the time now. And that is the fact that we've got SEC media days coming your way, and we're packing our bags, everything that we need. Remote kits, you name it. We're going to be making the trip up to the ATL. Not where the players play, but where the talkers talk, because it's talking season. And SEC Media Days are coming. On Monday, July 18th, it begins the nonstop roll from the College Football Hall of Fame, RP3 and Company. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh are going to be out there and enjoying all that there is to offer with SEC Media Days and live coverage presented by Bordelon Furniture. Not only that, seriously, we give you all kinds of added value here, folks. We give you the opportunity to hear not just from 6 to 9, in the case of RP3 and company, or 4 to 6. We got you covered on footnotes with the one and only Kevin Foote, depending if it's a glorious day or not. We don't know. Because it all depends on how the Astros do. I think it's always a glorious day because... At the end of the day, if you wake up in the morning and it's a pretty decent day, it's always a win. And you have the Jordy Holtberg Show. So you get updates all day long on all of our live and local programming of SEC Media Days. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And how can you not include that? And get that into your weekend. Inject that into your proverbial veins. I cannot wait for SEC Media Days. It's talking season. I got to be a part of it in 2019. 
And I know our guy Matt Miguez is absolutely ecstatic about the fact that he's going to be heading over to Atlanta. And it's going to be four days of just total nonstop action. And sometimes that's all you want, boss. Am I wrong there? Because, again, I went there. It was a hell of an opportunity for yours truly to go out there and see what it's like, not just from a technical side, getting everything set up, but I think more importantly, it was just a great experience because I got to see everything. And that was when it was in Hoover. You can about imagine how much cooler it's going to be now that it's in Atlanta in the College Football Hall of Fame. It was supposed to be in 2020, but of course, COVID took it away and also some other things happened in Atlanta and the College Football Hall of Fame kind of got jacked up. We'll just go ahead and leave that sidebar right there. We'll have Scott Watkins on. He'll be coming on in just a few moments. That I know is guaranteed because my guy knows what's good. That, I mean, I know he, I know I wouldn't have a communication breakdown with that cat. No offense to Nick Delator. Absolutely great guy. Just, you know, things didn't link up is what it is. That's just how we are. We'll move on. But I want to reset my list. And if you want to throw in a couple, I got some time for you. 337-706-0111. To kind of recap, top five high school teams from the Acadian area in my lifetime. Number five, going 03 Vermilion Catholic. Number four, 2017 St. Thomas More. Number three, the 2000 Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios. Number two, Acadian High and Reckon Rams. And the 92 Golden Bears are number one with a bullet. My honorable mentions, 2003 and 96 Karen Crow. I decided to put them in there during the break. Once it kind of confirmed in my mind, they were actually phenomenal. And they were. 2018 LCA and 2019 St. Thomas More. If you've got any, chat us up. 337-706-0111. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this. That's a really solid top five in my mind. You've got a good mixture. It's not just teams from the last 10 years and 92 Karen Crow. It's a lot of early 2000s teams because that's when I really started paying a lot more attention to high school football because back then we started to get CST. Everybody was watching that. That's where you watch all the state title games back then. And it was always so much fun just to see whenever your team got to play. And they would always play those like 50 million times around the holidays. This is before the Hallmark Channel with nothing but nonstop Christmas movies. So that was like must-watch television, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And you'd always would know because back then you used to have the TV guide on your in the newspaper, back when you read newspapers. But that's a different conversation for a different day. It's not like now where you just push a button that says guide and you see everything you want to see. And you get to say, hey, I'm going to go out and watch this or watch that or DVR this or DVR that. Now, back then, you, you, you only had really one chance unless you had the money and decided to go throw down on a TiVo. If you had that kind of money, more power to you, but not yours truly back back then. Not like now where DVR is a lot more accessible. But I have to say, like these teams, I think it's a good overarching story. It, and again, the only team that didn't win state, 2017 St. Thomas More, I think deserves to be on that list because they were absolutely like a prolific offense. 
just my personal opinion here because I thought they had some really good teams over the years. But I didn't feel like including damn near every other team in there. I think 2009, 2018 could be considered a really good team because they, but again, they came up short in the state championship game and they had a heartbreaker against Catholic High Bat Rouge, but they were on absolute tear. But also, at the time, I think, you know, for the most part, 4 4 A was down that year. The next year, they got a lot, like 2019, they were absolutely just on one. And 2020, 2021, the 2020 season, that was a really good 4 4 A. They were, they were very stacked and a little bit more balanced. And after that, you had Caracrow, who wound up winning state that year. They That was one of the best games of the year, 37 22. 2020, I think we could put that just on a side note because it wasn't necessarily like a full-blown season. You were 10-0. I can't, in good conscience, and this would be something I I put as a general rule in terms of top five of specific teams in specific years, I cannot and will not put a 2020 team in a lot of rankings. More because it just doesn't feel right. Any championships, any teams that are considered all-timers when you didn't play an entire season it kind of hurts me because that's just I just don't think that's where I'm at because at the end of the day 2020 was a very strange year and you had a lot of seasons cut short or you had them play in a bubble a la the NBA the way they did their postseason, and of course the Lakers win the whole darn thing. And then you have the, the Punks, the Dodgers, win in 2020 in a shortened year. The NFL might be the one exception to the rule because they got their season in all the way. Yes, there were a lot of bumps in the road. There were a lot of weird like Tuesday, Wednesday night games. It felt kind of cursed. But I could probably give more of a benefit of the doubt to those teams in the NFL versus any other league in the country because they actually got their games in and it all fit. But different conversation, different day. But we'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk with our guy, Scott Watkins, about what's going on with the Southern Miss Golden Eagles heading into the 2022 season in their first year inside the Sun Belt Conference. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. <laughs> now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Live yet at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. And I know you probably wanted to get the latest and greatest technology. Mind you, I have an Android phone, so I can't really win this, but we want you to join our new text club. 
and you'll be able to win a new Apple Watch. So make sure you join our text club. If you're driving, hand it over to your passenger, your best friend, whatever it is. Or if you're not, if you're driving solo, just keep a mental note of this. Because there's only four letters you got to memorize and ten numbers. Ten digits you got to remember. So text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. You do that, you're in our club, and then you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a chance to win some all kinds of great prizes Astros tickets, concert tickets to great things going on at the Cage Dome, and so, so much more. So get more info at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com for our good friends at in Lake Charles. But now we're going to flip it over some more college football discussion and get down to brass tacks about what's going on with the Southern Miss Golden Eagles and why do I'm I want to talk about them because, well, they're one of the new members of the Sun Belt Conference, and they'll be an annual opponent for the Louisiana Raging Cages, kind of renewing a rivalry we haven't seen in a while. In fact, the last time they played was back in 2016 in the infamous New Orleans Bowl game when Southern Miss beat the Cajuns, the one time the Cajuns have ever lost in the New Orleans Bowl. But that's a different conversation for a different day. And to talk about it, we got to go out to the game hotline, talk with our guy Scott Watkins, beat writer, for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles as part of the Sun Herald. Scott, how you doing, brother? Doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good, doing good. And let's just start off with what is, what's the team looking like heading into the 2022 season, especially as they get ready for their first foray into the Sun Belt Conference after jumping over from the CUSA? Uh, well, the biggest thing is they look deeper. They look deeper than they were a year ago. Uh, that was the big issue last year. First year with Will Hall, as as with a lot of first-year head coaches, the roster gets a little thin, especially as you go throughout the year. Um, that's the biggest thing. This team is deeper, so it's it's a good moment to be moving into a new conference. It's it's a full roster. They're almost at uh, 85 scholarships already. So, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing, that they're ready for some belt football, and that's kind of the grind of this league. I've been covering it you because know, I was at Troy before. Uh, you got to have a full roster in this league, and Southern Miss does. I have to agree with you wholeheartedly there. And thank you for reminding me, by the way, Will Hall, a name I think many Cajuns fans do remember from the tail end of the Mark Hudspeth era. He was a big influence in the offensive game for the Cajuns. Now he's part of Southern Miss. As the head coach, how have you seen him evolve from year one to year two? Uh, well, it's, it's it hasn't hasn't much changed. I mean, he's he's still the same guy. I think I I think that what what him and his coaching staff is they're very creative, they're very adaptive, um, and I, I think that he's willing to try new things. I know that they they turned to the super back at the end of last year just to get a couple wins, uh, where they just threw the quarterback out of the depth chart and ran Frank Gore Jr. out there and. And it worked, and, and I know that they're, they're going to continue to do that. They're not, not full-time, but it's going to be a wrinkle in their offense from from this point going forward. And that, that's something that I've been impressed about Will Hall is that uh, he was willing to change, uh, staring down a, a one-win season. Instead of running out the young players, he, he ran out a whole new formation to get the job done uh, in a lost season. So that, that was really impressive for me, and I, I think that um, – if he has a if he has a full and healthy offense, I I can't wait to see what he can do. I can't wait to see what he does as well. And we talk about the offense, the side of the football, Scott. My question is, I mean, what's the biggest question mark that 
you've seen during spring practice and heading into training camp that you're kind of looking forward to seeing how that pans out? Offensive line for sure. Absolutely. This team was uh, dead last in just about every offensive line metric you could possibly look at last year. Uh, they're a lot deeper. The two, de- the two deep is healthy, but the question mark that I see is the fact that they're returning four starters from last year's offensive line. And experience is good, but not not all the time, you know, if you know what I mean. Some some experience is good, some is bad. And so this is this is what I'm looking for because everything is built off of the offensive line. How much the offense is going to improve, it's going to entirely depend on how much the offensive line improves. And they have a long way to go to get better from where they were last year. I'd agree with you. Three and nine last season. Now they're going to kind of try and compete in what is, relatively speaking, a light Sunbelt West division as opposed to what we're seeing now with the new additions over in the East division with JMU, ODU, and Marshall. I think that's going to be a lot more of a competitive East. Now it's just largely the Cajuns. Arkansas State is poised to probably bounce back, but I think Southern Miss is going to be a dark horse to watch in that west division race am i am i off base on that hey everybody's a dark horse in the sunbelt west everybody everybody not in louisiana I, I i think just about everybody has a real shot at a second place or even you know stealing a win or two against louisiana out out here in the, the wild west of the sunbelt and speaking of the sunbelt you know just as a whole i know you've covered a lot more Previously, with the Sun Belt Pages newsletter, you focused more on the state of everything. And now that you've gotten everything going on, you seem to be locked in with your 14 teams of the Sun Belt Conference right here, right now. And you see what's going on across the country with USC and UCLA jumping ship to the Big Ten. And that's seemingly starting to set up the talk about the super conferences and those two breaking away from the NCAA and kind of doing their own thing. How much do you think those conversations could affect the Sunbelt Conference, let's say five, six years down the road? Because I just feel like at one point we're going to get to a head and now you are going to kind of think about, hey, what's going to happen to the little guys? Yeah, there's there's certainly a couple of conversations to be had, you know, a short-term and a long-term one. In the short-term, as a Sunbelt fan, you know, if, if you're a fan of Louisiana or whatever, you're happy. I mean, you're happy that in the face of all this money chasing that the Sunbelt has built, something that is very cool, very regional, and very old-fashioned college football that gets you excited and allows you to travel to see games. In the long term, you're concerned about how the um, the power is kind of circling in on you know two people, two conferences, two two places, and, and you know that the NCAA is slowly year after year kind of handing over some of its powers to the conferences. And at what point does the SEC and the Big Ten start making their own rules about what they're going to do at the end of the season? We have already we already know that the ACC and I think the Pac-12 is considered a, uh, their own little championship game at the end of the season, basically. And uh, what what's to stop the SEC from doing this with the Big Ten and um, – kind of creating this entirely new postseason setup where the G5 and the Sunbelt could very well be left out. And that's the thing that scares me the most because if you're not able to get that, and especially when you're trying to keep up with an arms race in terms of your TV network deals where obviously 
you know, the Pac-12 is trying to deal with their 2024 contract. But I think now that might be thrown out the window because you lose two of your most, like, those legacy teams in USC and UCLA. Now it's going to be the Big Ten, the SEC, and kind of to a lesser extent, I think the ACC might be the only other one that's left still in control. But obviously anything can happen between now and then where basically becomes almost a Mason-Dixon line, if you will, with those two conferences kind of squaring off and making their own pitches to just basically say, hey, here's where we're standing. Let's go ahead and create our own two conferences. And that's where I think we would absolutely hate it to be. And then that will wind up probably causing some lesser programs fall to the wayside because at the end of the day, I think the four-letter network and Fox and everybody else is going to want to get in on the big dog rather than focus in on the little guy. That's just the way I, way I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, I feel like the only way out of this uh, is, you know, for reality to hit some of these teams that are on the move. You know, I, I think that this could change in the midterm. This could kind of change how the college football playoff selection committee works uh, because this could really knock down some win totals for teams like Michigan and Ohio State and USC and, uh, and Georgia and, and Florida and these type of schools. I mean, are you going to, in these 16-team conferences, are you going to let a 9-3 and three Alabama in? Um, and if you don't, what kind of impact does that have on the college football playoff and these super conferences that have been created that made things more difficult for each conference's blue bloods? Talk right now Scott Watkins, part of the Sun-Herald. Flipping back over to Southern Miss for a little bit longer before I let you go. What else on the on the defensive side are you seeing based on what you've observed in the spring game and everything in between? What what are you noticing from that program, that side of the football in 2022 compared to what we saw last um, season? Yeah, they're tough. They're tough on defense. It, it it was amazing just how good they were on defense and it, their their record did not line up. They allowed a conference USA best 2.8 offensive touchdowns a game. Uh, and it just did not show. But this defense, the linebackers are deep. The defensive backfield is deep. They're going to be really, really good. I think that Southern Miss and Troy are almost the exact same team, especially defensively. I think both are, are probably the two best defenses in the Sun Belt. I think Southern Miss is going to keep itself in a lot of games if it could just be competent on offense. And that is what ultimately makes Southern Miss, like you said earlier, that dark horse in the West. Scott. Thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and take it easy, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on the program. Scott Watkins, follow him on Twitter at ScottWatkinsTU. Always good to talk about some Southern Miss football. I remember talking to my dad about this many years ago, back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. When they came to town, I think Brett Favre was part of that team at the time when he had Curly Holman, Nelson Stokely at the helm. I think it was back in 88 when Favre was playing for Southern Miss and they came over here and won 27-14. I have to kind of verify that with my dad because I remember he told me he went to that game. It was like right before, like a little while before I was born, basically. I was born in May, so in 89. So I was a little bit before I was born. Who knows? I, I don't know how the timelines work out, but that's just what it is. Before we take another quick timeout and get to one final take, and it's going to be about those Cajuns, I want to talk about something really cool that you can enter into win. And that is a chance for you to go see the Houston Astros. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. You can see them live in living color at Minute Maid Park. All you got to do is 
join our rewards club at the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And you'll have a chance to see the Astros take on the Seattle Mariners Saturday, July 30th. That's how you can be there. I can't win this. My intern, Daryl, can't win this. So guess what? You can win this by joining the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free to enter, free to join, and you have a chance to win this fantastic prize. That includes a tour of Minute Maid Park, four tickets, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. And as always, the Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. One more take, and it's about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in a recent matchup they've added to a future schedule. Let's talk about that next right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Astros and LSU Tigers. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Appreciate everybody for listening in and also for the guests who came aboard this week. Nick Delator couldn't get them on. Is what it is. We punt, we move on, and more importantly, we turn the focus to him. We take that, we take the L, and we move on to next week. And more importantly, get that much closer to SEC media days and talking season. But when I saw this announcement yesterday morning about the Cajuns announcing a home-and-home series with Louisiana Tech, I couldn't help but to laugh. And then I remembered one man in particular, Tommy McClellan, and people who have heard that name probably are having PTSD right as I speak on this. But simply put, it's the best thing for the state of Louisiana to have those two teams face off. It's always a very heated game. Mind you, the last few times the Cages have played La Tech, they got their asses handed to them. But I think that's more because of the fact that you had some phenomenal teams at the time. You had some phenomenal players, too. Like, Kenneth Dixon's a name that stands out to me because that dude went on, like, a, had a 99-yard run. I believe this was the 2014 season because 2015, that was in Ruston. That's whenever they had, like, they Cages laid an absolute egg. I remember they wound up, like, at halftime. I think they allowed a pick six to end the first half. Because, oh, hey, we're just going to go ahead and, and throw a bomb and not tackle anybody who picks off the football. Absolutely frustrating type of loss for the Cajuns when they played in Ruston. But the fact they get to face off two more times in 2026 and 2029, I can't help but to love the irony of all this. Because, again, going back to Tom McClellan's stupid ass, he decided – back during the pandemic to say that the Conference USA is better, was was bigger and better, and shouldn't have to form up a partnership with the Sunbelt Conference. The Conference USA is better than the Sunbelt Conference. Well, who's laughing now? Tom McClellan, now he's over at Vanderbilt, which is the law cow of the SEC outside of baseball. But even this year, they weren't necessarily as great. Thank God the Whistler wasn't going crazy 
during the College World Series out in Omaha saved me a little bit more of my sanity. But also, now they've got a new guy who's probably got a better relationship and is more in tune with the world rather than some cat from Bazile and in tune with realizing, hey, in-state rivalries are going to help you. Don't try and burn that bridge. So more power to LaTeX, their new administration over there, for getting this done. Is now we get to see two teams that I think, honestly, depending on what year it is, are probably, like, I'd say in that second tier. Obviously, I think we've talked about this before, and I'll go through it real quick. LSU's obviously first tier, and it's usually going to be a mixture of LSU, of La Tech and Louisiana. And you can kind of alternate those two. Tulane, eh, they're, they're, they're down there. They're down there in tier three. But I think most years, in terms of your athletic programs, in college athletics in the state of Louisiana, they're that tier two team. They're, they're your second or third best team in the state of Louisiana. In some cases, like the last couple, Louisiana's been hands down the best in the state of Louisiana. But that's my thoughts. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Be back with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, this has been Under the Dome with CD. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We got more. Vison and then Astros at 307 right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake.